Hey, what's up everyone out there? Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Addicted Fishing Podcast. We are here today with Mr. Cameron Black and Eric Swanson. We're going to talk a little bit of Astoria Salmon Fishing, Buoy 10 Salmon Fishing, and we're also going to bring in a little special guest, one of our new product partners that we're going to be working with. We already use a ton of their gear and have used it for years, and so it was kind of an easy transition when they approached us and wanted to work with us, and it's going to be fun because we're friends with them, and you have to wait, though. We're not bringing them in yet. You have to listen to us talk for a couple minutes first. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> How was the podcast last week with uh, uh, Procure? I don't know. I thought it was good with, you know, Jason and Steve are super wealth of information. If you guys haven't checked that out, be sure to go back to any of your, where your subscription services are and where you're looking at it. But be sure to tune into that because, you know, whenever we get Jason Hambley and Steve Lynch in studio to talk about, you know, different good and info. Product, they always oh, drop yeah. gems. And we did the they live did. feed right afterwards. And, and I get, you know, I get tons of comments and messages afterwards, you know, saying, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's so cool. Like pretty, those guys have been around the block a little yeah, bit. Absolutely. So worth a listen. Definitely. So, Swanson, are you excited for Buoy 10? I am. I spent the last two days tying up spinner leaders and getting all my rods ready and just talked to you a little bit. Cutting ago it about close, dude. Wait, spinner leaders? Oh, I don't. we don't use spinners down there. I was going to say, wait, I thought you were a bait guy down there. Always. Maybe the first couple of years I fished it, but the last couple of years, it's kind of been a, see, it's been a transition for me. Are you a full Are you a full convert? I was after last year. After last year. So last year, you were a full convert. Did last you? year, I started half and half, and I switched over pretty quickly. Interesting. Are you yeah. using any super baits? I mix a few in the mix, definitely. Because yeah. that's what I was doing last year when I was down there. The and, four times I went, I did use some super baits. And honestly, they they work really well down there. Um, but you know, just the simplicity of running blades, it's pretty hard to beat. Yeah, no question. Especially yeah. you get the feeders, you can get off coho, you get grass, warm temperatures that are just like that just kind of melts your bait and burns it up down there. And that's why I, 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 I thought I can remember if you were last year. Cause like, you we know, were just Nick, talking about that. Yeah, out there. Dick's like a half and half guy, yeah. you know, Ryan case, Brandon, they're all not glass, but my Brandon, they're mm-hmm. all freaking, you know, spinner guys, you know, plastic guys, you know, super yep. big guys yep. too. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Pop off's herring. Always he swears by it, but he, he gets a job done 99.9% of the time with the bait. So I don't, I don't blame him for sticking, sticking to his program. Yeah, there's 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 some there's some intricacies there that uh, let's just say he's he's still using bait, but he's definitely utilizing some of the key advantages of running three sixty flashers out right. the back of your boat. Right, totally. I know what you're. I know. I know. The, I know the look. I know the <laughs> yeah. look. So it's like, you know, he's definitely he's taking advantage of best of both worlds. The truth be told, the strategy is like absolutely killer. Mm-hmm. And it, it is. and if you want to run some bait, you know. It it uh, having a couple three sixties out the back telling you what the gear is doing mm-hmm. is definitely those clutch. Down there, I mean, incoming outgoing those slacks. I mean that that salt water and freshwater mix can definitely be so much different. 10, 15 feet, twenty feet, thirty feet below your boat. Exactly. I mean, not knowing knowing what's down there mm-hmm. and like trying to explain this without like showing people or like kind of having a visual of it. You know, it's it's you know you put a triangle down on any rod. Like yeah, you can put it down and you can see some line angle and that but that line angle could be coming from like the top 10 feet you know top 10 feet of current 100 percent. and you know one key advantage you know uh, you know as you get more into the 360s once you like fully convert right you know, eric mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> once you fully switch over is that you know always you always fish according to what your gear is telling you Absolutely. whereas you, you don't have that with triangles and it's not good bad or indifferent and it's not that there's not a million fish con triangles right. but there's times where I know when you put triangles down and they're just they're just laying mm-hmm. they're flat. Your blade's not spinning. You don't know that though. Exactly, because the water on the top of the surface exactly. is moving a heck of a lot faster than 
Yep. You know, the bottom. Yeah. So you have a couple of indicators, if you will, out there and mm-hmm. tell you what's going on. I mean, last year when I was down there the few times, I definitely saw a lot of 360s, but I still saw, saw the majority of people fishing triangles. Yeah. There was a couple there different sure. bites last year where the triangles did outfish the 360s. But other than that, I feel like it was pretty even. Yeah. I think the timing, like mm-hmm. you said, there's a couple different bites, but I also think to you, you can't. And I think what's going on down there, you know, with, with the guys that are trying to do like the full switch too, it's like there's there's times they're going to catch them and times they're not. And not because that the 360 doesn't work, it's how those guys are fishing them, like on right. burning tides and stuff, mm-hmm. thinking that you're going to like hold into the bridge bite and you're going to do stuff like that. You're, yeah. you're, you're not. Right. You're not. But turn around and go with the tide mm-hmm. and troll it six miles an hour. I mean, stuff yeah. that we haven't even like, you would even you wouldn't even talk about. Five years ago, trolling with the tide six miles an hour over ground and I always, smashing. Dude, I always thought if I was over like four and a half that I was going too quick. Until right. last year when I was catching them at like <laughs> 6.7. Just smoking. Exactly. And I was right. hauling like my troll, and my two-mile troll, I was doing it in like 25 Those minutes. are the like best takedowns insane. when you're doing oh, six God, miles an hour. Savage. Oh, savage. <laughs> but you're covering ground. You know, you're blowing over fish. You're, you're making them. It's just like no reason why we downstream trolling. But like, like I said, I mean, you're not. If you try to fish a 360 and you're kind of new to the program and you're going to, like I said, you're going to hold in on a, like a real bucking incoming tide, you're not going to yeah. do that. You're not, you, you might get a fish or two, but you're not effective, but turn it around, fish mm-hmm. the gear the way it's supposed to be and just do what the gear is telling you to do and fish it however you can, like depth wise with the current against the current. I mean, how, hell, hell, half the time on some of those big incoming and outgoing, I'm trolling in reverse, right? Like you're doing whatever you can with your boat to get the right thump out of those things. And mm-hmm. if they're thumping right, they're catching fish. 100%. I agree with you. And I saw that last year a ton. So I think last year was a huge learning year for me, learning how to fish them effectively down there and talking to you and some of the other guys that were exclusively running them. You know, weight, time of the tide, part of the river, kind of putting a program together. And I think this year, it's going to be a heck of a lot easier for me early getting right on top of that same program we left last year. Well, right. I mean, last year too, you know, we had that the, the late start. And then if I can remember right, like the first day was kind of like okay tide but then it got really good like around the 16th because i remember like we sat and we're going to talk about this in live feed this mm-hmm. live feed t- tonight too like where i point pinpointed like these are the two days we are going to absolutely destroy fish right. and it, it was like absolutely spot on it yep. was like the 16th and like the 23rd 24th something like that and because you didn't have like complete bathtub you didn't have like a no current outgo but you had right. some current mm-hmm. and uh but like i said if you go you know if you're moving around and you're trying to figure that out and you're trying to like I don't know, I guess put yourself like I said, I think on those days you could have stuck anything in the water and it wouldn't have mattered. Right, right, right. I mean anything. Anything. Yeah. Um, you know, so like when you're trying to figure out the and you have that short of a season is what I was trying to get back to, right. you know, and you just don't have a lot of time to figure out where now this this year, you know, we get yeah. five weeks, five plus weeks down mm-hmm. there and we get to go through like a few different tide cycles and you know, then we got, we're, we're kind of stuck with this like hatchery only thing and, yep. you know, which isn't really the worst thing in the world, but I mean, we're going to experience kind of like the full breadth of what you're going to be able to do with those things down the estuary. And right. so you're going to have, if you stick with it and, you know, I'm not saying it shoot this year, they might not work with a dam. I don't know. Like, right. you know, it is fishing. But one thing I know about this year is we're going to have a heck of a thermal barrier down there that we didn't have last year. And so I think that should hold those fish a couple extra tide sets. Cause I remember last year we were, you'd get them for like two days and then they'd be gone and then we'd have to come you know completely figure out where the fish were again well remember like how many times like we were sitting down you know we'd be sitting down like in south ditch or seal ditch or freaking middle channel and then all of a sudden like the tongue point bite would go yeah and it's like if that tongue point bites going those are fish that are not 
hanging out. Right. Those fish are bombing up the river. Totally. And and it's like, so when that's happening, you know, those fish aren't, those fish are pretty far removed, you know, um, pretty far removed, especially like on the slowdown and stuff, like at the end of an ebb when they start going off up there. So like, I don't know, man, like I feel like if you're getting that, those fish are trucking out of the system. They're just not washing in and then back down to Chinook and back down to the forts and stuff. Right, right, right. So yeah, that thermal barrier, this, that is definitely, there's been a lot of talk. There's still four or 500 Chinook a day going over the dam. Yeah. Too. Mm -hmm. No, that's just a pretty cool little sign to see. No, for sure. Like this year's summer Chinook run was, was great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Makes you wonder how many of those we're going to, that's what I'm saying. How many are going to be down there? How many summer Chinook? uh, Dude, I think a lot. Yeah. I really do. I mean, shoot, last year totally. was Springers. I mean, Giants, la- the too. last the last two years, three years, two years, we think. Yeah, last two years, there's been like tons of Sandy River Springer right. coated wire tags showing yep. up in that fishery, especially in the first two weeks. Yep. Last year we didn't get a fish the first two weeks, but this year we do. Like yeah, the first I, couple weeks, too, we're going to kill a ton of those ten to fourteen pound. They're going to be dusky, but they're all going to be good quality fish, hopefully. And then a mixture of those, you know, 25 inch toolies. <laughs> yeah, lots of Because those are confusing for sure. Well, we're going to shed some light on that a little bit tonight. But I think, yep. you know, you got to watch it because I think a lot of, you know, we'll, we'll, I think this is for a time for another podcast, but, you know, we talk about like, the toolie shaming and, and stuff like that. You know, if we're, if we're playing within the restrictions of the, you know, constraining stock of the fishery, you know, where it's not hurting us to kill hatchery toolies, which it's not, it's right. not going to this year. Right, exactly. Uh, especially in the first 10 days. Um, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be in good shape to where we're not going to see stuff shut down early and stuff like that. So then it's just a matter of making really sure that you're trying to kill like one that's not going to cut about as white as a piece of paper. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Try and kill a good quality fish. And if it happens to be a Thule and you, you know, somebody posts a picture of it. That's one thing I have a big problem with this Thule shaming is if somebody's happy with a fish and it's a legal fish and they post it, everybody jumps on them. And half the time, People that are calling it a toolie don't even know. No, I know. That's well, what people don't understand, nuts. and I see these complaints online every single day. Is it's like it doesn't matter what you post on the internet. Oh yeah, you are going to have guys that get on there oh, and it's so frustrating. Just wreck. That's just the internet. Like yeah, I can't count true. how many times last year I, I posted some you know good fish pics, and somebody was like, "Oh, third one from the left's a toolie." Blah 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 blah. And I'm like, "Really?" And I, I posted <laughs> I a picture of the fillets, mm-hmm. and it was not. And but, people are just. It's it's so frustrating. The darkest fish that I have caught at Buoy Ten in the last I can think ten years was a fish, and I know exactly cut which as one. Red is that Michael Jordan sign? It cut as red as a sockeye, and because mm-hmm. it was a big ass hatchery freaking springer. Now I will say, like there is, you know, after the 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 the, the hatchery tule ten day bash, afterwards we are going to want to definitely be a little more conservative, bonking big brown. Right. Chinook with adipose fins. Right. Like that is a constraining stock still within the fishery. That's why they're limiting those first 10 days. So we are going to want to watch that. Like I think it is going to be definitely like, you know, if you're out there August 16th and it's pound town, mm-hmm. you know, and you five minutes into the troll, you smoke a 20 pound wild, kind of darker looking one. I think as anglers, we're going to want to be like, you know, I still got all day. Like this is the one I'm going to let go. Right. You know what I mean? And sometimes, and that's the problem. Sometimes those wild tulies, they're big. Mm-hmm. They are they're mean. Massive. They're huge. <laughs> Big gnarly. Yeah, and they fight like crazy. And Who cares? Yeah. They're fun to catch, and well, then just let them go. Well, that's exactly. what I'm saying. Like I think after the hatchery, after the hatchery, you know, basically once we get to the wide open season, we are still. But you don't run into them. You don't really run into that that many of them, right? Um, and so, like, especially that's why they constrain those first ten days because most of those true 
mm-hmm. lower river wild tulies are moving through those first two weeks. And gotcha, so that's okay. why we have, and that's why last year we weren't allowed because that, that constraining stock was so tight. Gotcha. That's why we didn't fish till the 13th. Like they're like, nope, we can't even have hatchery fishing in there. Um, fortunately they think the runs, um, considerably, we're in a considerably better place than we were last year with the constraining stock and with upriver brights. So, I, you know, Good deal. that's what it is. But we'll be talking more about that. And get ready for the interweb post oh because you'll see them. I think, <laughs> oh, you're going to see them everywhere. Dude, I think the, the great Thule debate is probably one of the finer ones that we see on oh. the internet. Because oh, sure. every, be everybody great. has a story on a Thule. Everyone has an opinion. Yes. Yes. This will be great, too, because <laughs> so Eric doesn't know this, but in the live feed, I gave Clint about a dozen pictures. And we'll be going over with a fine-tooth cone oh, tonight, good. buddy. Yes. <laughs> Are some oh, of them Swansons? Yeah. No. Uh, no. Good. No, I, mean, I wouldn't care. I'd be calling Swanson out. Dude. I've, I've been known see, to kill a Thule. Let me see. Hi, the hey. only time I kill Thule's after I educate my clients on them is, you know, if they are adamant about keeping it. Well, and Because I can't tell anybody, you know, if somebody came no. down here from Seattle and they spend a bunch of money getting down there, then the trip and, and they want to kill the fish, I mean, it ruins folks' trips making them release see, fish. See, I really draw the line. I really draw the line on the wild ones. Like, I yeah. will like, you know what? If they want to block a hatchery too, like, and if they go, oh, I'll smoke. It's like, you know what? Okay, bud, you know what? I don't want to be out here as much as you do. Right. So let's bonk this sucker. But if it's a wild one, I will be pretty adamant. Like, yeah. look, this is the fish that gets us in trouble and shuts right. us down later. Like, yeah. let's just, like, you know what? And, you know, efficient. I'm not going to say I've never done it, but efficient's tough or efficient's good, whatever. Right. You know, like, we can kind of. Right, if you can coax them into that, like, look, man, this is just like a wild. Yeah, it's a big wild steelhead. Think of it that way. Don't bunk it. You really don't want this meat. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you're getting a fish or two or a couple bites of pass and you don't need to kill it, no, dude, yes, that's what you have to do is just say you really don't want this meat. Right, it's not even going to be worth keeping. This will literally taste like. Yeah. <laughs> good fight. Yes. Thank you. Get the handshake. Yes. Get, a good, get, get a picture with a frowny is, face and let it go. All right. Yeah. Let's get our guest in here before we run out of time, Clint. Call him in. Is he here? Is he, he on? Come right into the fire. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it on. Oh, we hear it ringing. You think our producer could Hello. shut that out? Hello. We got our special guest here. How's it going? I wonder if anyone recognizes your voice before we even tell people. Can you hear who me all right? Can he hear us, Clint? I, I can hear you good, bro. Oh, oh yeah. Good. We yeah. Hear clear day. We hear you loud and clear. We got our snazzy little headphones on. We all look like true podcasters oh, in yeah. here right now. Joe Rogan. Yeah, bro. I got on my, my Bose quiet uh, headphones I wear on the plane, so I can't hear the motor. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they're, they're solid for this stuff. Nice. Well, man, we kind of did a little pre-intro before you jumped on here, but we didn't tell... We didn't tell anyone who you were or anything. We just kind of said we have a new product partner that we're working with, someone that we have actually been friends with for a long time and fishing the gear for a long time as it is. So you want to introduce yourself? Well, I am uh, Jared Higginbotham with the Yakima Bait Company. And, uh, you know, I'm fortunate just like y'all. I've loved fishing and, uh, you know, outdoors since I was a little kid and has led me to a place that uh, I can't even explain to most people. So I'm a very fortunate individual. And, uh, yeah, I'm just a fish freak like Addicted, as you say, right? Absolutely, absolutely, man. Well, we appreciate you jumping on the podcast again. I thought this would just be a good opportunity to kind of introduce the new partnership. You know, we've all, we've used your stuff forever. You know, we got rooster tail videos all over our YouTube channel. We got yeah. all sorts of spin and glow. We've used maglips for years. You know, so Yakima Bait's kind of a staple in the Northwest and something that we've addicts has used for years anyway. So it was kind of like an easy, hey, yeah, let's let's start a little bit more of a business relationship with each other. So I, I'm excited about it. Yeah, me too, bro. I mean, it's an easy fit. I mean, like you say, you know, um, for me, the Yakima bait thing, uh, you know, I fished all that stuff since I was a little kid. It's in my backyard. Just like you said, spinning glows and flatfish and, 
you know, all these things were just part of our, all of our really everyday fishing. Um, so when I went to work for Yakima, it was like I'd already done my homework, you know, my whole life. And uh, it is, you know, it's really part of the Northwest and fishing. And uh, you know, I can wear a Yakima bait shirt, travel across the country, and I'll get a few people say, oh, Yakima bait. I wear a rooster tail shirt. And every single person stops me and is like, hey, dude, you know, my uncle taught me, my grandpa taught me, my dad showed me this. Oh, I caught my first fish on, right? And so, which is really cool, man. I mean, that's a pretty neat uh, neat part of the company, you know, as far as everywhere you go, being associated with a rooster tail, you're part of so many people's first fish and great memories. And so that's a really cool part about my job, so. Yeah, that, it absolutely is. And so you guys are local, and you're, you're manufacturing parts here in the U.S. and then also importing stuff, correct? Uh, so we don't really import. I mean, we import. We have a factory in Ensenada. So um, we have a factory in Granger, uh, Washington. And um, I live in Zillow, so I'm four miles from the factory. So, again, it works out really well for me. But uh, And we have a secondary factory in Ensenada. And uh, I believe the Pose, uh, David Fritz won the Bassmaster Classic in 1992 on the Pose lure, right? And a crankbait. And so in 1993, Yakima Bait bought the Pose company. And the company um, factory was down in Ensenada. So, you know, over time, we've just um, learned to manufacture some of those things um, there as well and kept both that's factories, cool. you know, going. So, yeah, yeah, it's got dual manufacturing. And, yeah, that, yeah that's, a really good, that's a really good way to do it. Yeah, so made in North America, basically, yeah. Yeah. Can you shed some light on exactly, I don't know if you can give us an exact amount, but, I mean, how, what's the sheer amount of rooster tails that are out there? Like, just, I mean, <laughs> I mean, how many countries do rooster tails ship to, like, in the world? Man, you know what? Um, Honestly, I could not even tell you, but it is everywhere, dude. I get, just like you guys, right? I get uh, messages from people from Sweden, from Australia, from Russia, from places I have no idea where they're at. And it's all tra Google translated messages, right? And you're trying to decipher <laughs> what they want. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's really everywhere. You know, I mean, uh, I always said it would be a cool thing because we still use the original machines that were designed in the 40s to make rooster tails they're still the same right like it's the same if we need parts we got to make them at the factory because they're so unique to the way we do things and so i always said it'd be cool to have a counter on every one of those machines to see how many hundreds of millions of rooster tails we've shipped out right just just rooster tails so that's crazy um, i always thought that would be an interesting statistic right to see what 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 is that number like you know mcdonald's always had that sign i remember like in the 90s it said yeah. over one bill over one billion yep. served right over, over 30 billion, billion served. Yeah, yeah that would yeah, be a really so cool like, number to have the other thing that's super cool would, about rooster tail that i love is like you can catch a lot of different species on rooster tails like you make them super small all the way up to like i didn't even realize until we went to alaska that you make those big giant like musky rooster tails yeah so we make them from a 32nd ounce, which is a propeller style blade. And then uh, once we get into the 24th ounce up to the one ounce, it's all your standard, you know, um, kind of a willow style blade. And then, um, you know, we partnered with a, a, a another big box store and they wanted us to make a giant rooster tail for musky, right? And so that's where the husky tail came into play. And we make that and the actual weight on the size five is a 0.8 of an ounce. And the weight on a size six is actually 1.8 ounces, I believe. So... Um, yeah, big baits, big fish, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, but, I, I yeah, got a couple like of them in my tail. box now and I'm excited to go try to get a muskie on them for sure. Yeah. Papa was like, Hey, do you have anything for piker muskie? I'm like, I got some really cool stuff. Yeah. And, uh, some of that stuff I sent you was like discontinued from like the vault type stuff. Just, just some neat stuff to check out, right? Like old wooden lures and just the paint jobs and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, it, oh, Popoff really kept all that cool shit stuff. for himself. So yeah, we'll I don't remember <laughs> seeing any of that. Uh, what a jerk. Are you serious, bro? <laughs> yeah. I sent him like, I literally sent him like probably 40 topwater baits 
and uh, you know a few spinners. But you we guys never like saw any of that, bro. That chat we never saw. Later. Oh, <laughs> I want to have to corner the Russian and have a chat. With <laughs> for those for those that don't know what we're talking about, let's just say Nick was trying to get a little insider uh, insider gear for the uh, movie we just filmed up north. So yeah, yeah, yeah that was that's pretty funny though. Yeah, that's <laughs> that really sneaky cool. little devil. So we were we were talking about Astoria here tonight in the podcast. Are you getting excited to head down there and go fishing? Bro, you should see my kitchen table. I can't. I'm just like y'all. I cannot <laughs> take it, dude. Uh, that was where my parents used to take me. I've been going there since I was six years old. Uh, a friend of ours has had a cabin there. It was in their family for years, and they started taking my parents. You know how it is and friends. You get to play in soccer and basketball and all this stuff, right? And you make your parents make friends with friends that have cool things you go do. Well, this was our cool thing, and so we went over there for every year for two or three weeks, and that's all I did, man, was Bowie Ten. So that's been in my blood since I was like six years old. And we would take a 15 and a half foot rally boat with a hundred horse Johnson, no trolling motor dude, and go out there and nose up to the buoy with the other, you know, however many people. And my mom puking over the side, driving the boat, dad rigging rods, and me and my brother railing fish on the crappiest gear you have ever seen in your life, dude. And, uh, I love it. I, I can't wait every year, dude. My table is full of stuff. I've been tying stuff, picturing how the rods are going to go down. I'm going to run where I'm going to run it. When I'm gonna run it? How deep I'm gonna run it? Who's gonna do what? So yeah, same dude. I'm sure we're all doing exactly the oh, same. My yeah. was gnarly. I know. I know. All you guys had the exact same visual I did right through that whole thing. Just like yeah, see that? Yep, yep. Exactly. Yep, yep, yep. If you could see Cam was sitting here yeah. just nodding his head the whole like, time. I, well, I was just thinking like how it was you know back in the day where it was just all confined to that just buoy ten area. Now it's you know it's, as our as our buddy Cody likes to call it the forty square miles. Now you know. I mean it's it's uh, yeah. just in what the, what that fishery is. You know what? You know from the days you were talking about to where to what it, what it is now, and just yeah, it's just, it's just kind of mind blowing, and especially now with what we're doing, you know, with you know with everything from three sixty flashers to hard bait. I mean, you got guys. You know, before we got on the podcast, you know, we were talking about just you know not even fishing bait and stuff down there, and going down there with lures and and just spinners and just whatever. And it's just uh, and like I said, it's just a whole whole another ball game now. I did not fish anything. But a blue label herring at Bowie Ten until I was probably thirty. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was it, bro. And it was always cut plug, and it was always an old cooler that we'd have. We'd clean it out. We'd go to the ocean. We'd fill it full of water. The next morning, dude, we'd make we'd make our own ice with fresh water because we were so worried that we were going to get some chlorinated city water type stuff in our ice. <laughs> and we make our own ice that night, right? And the next morning, we dump that ice in the cooler with some rock salt and cut plug all our baits and. Away we would go, dude. And it was nothing but a deep six diver, a six foot leader, dual, you know, uh, uh, dual hook setup, fixed rig, and a blue label herring. That's it. That's all I ever fished. And send it. <laughs> and, and, yeah, that was it. And dad would always say, you know, no more than 20 pulls. That was all, that was his rule. No more than 20 pulls. Right. So. So you being the yeah, kid, you went fun. forty, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, every time, bro. Yeah. Every time Cam <laughs> tells me twenty eight thirty yeah, on the bow, that's I like, like twenty four. That's what counters are for now. <laughs> well, Cam, you have two boys, right? And so I'm sure you watch those kids, you know, and one of them is way fishier than the other one, right? Like he sees it different. Like he's the one that's going to test it, test the waters, figure out his own method. And uh, that's though I have a brother, and I was that kid, right? I've always been the kid that was going to like change the game, right? I couldn't take it, so. Yeah, that's why he yeah. donates a million bottom fishing jigs to the bottom because he's always going deeper than all my clients. Like, Lane, stop doing that. <laughs> it's like he's it's either yeah. a rock or a ling every time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what my son is, man. My son, he's smart, dude. He watches that depth finder and when like a certain spots, you know, in the in, in the river, like you know, I've seen you out there. When you back off, there's these big edges, dude, these big drops, and he knows those lings sit there. 
And so he'll be the bow of the boat when we're up there fishing, you know, up next to the rocks. And then as soon as I start to back the boat up and drop to that edge, he'll hop off, run all the way to the back of that boat, and he'll start dropping, and he'll watch that finder. And he knows almost every time we go off a ledge, that little sucker will stick a link every time. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah, they're on it. <laughs> they're going to be trouble yeah, going up. <laughs> he knows. And I can't yell at him, really, like, stay in the bow of the boat because exactly. he knows. It's not like, you know, one of your random buddies out there that doesn't know. And you're like, no, you're good up there, man. He knows. <laughs> and I will let anybody else fish around because I usually have all three motors running, right? And because uh, I want to be able to move the boat um, or if something happens or whatever. And so he knows how to fish around them, too. So that's killer man well jared i appreciate you coming on to this quick little podcast dude we're, we're excited for the partnership and working with yakima into the future and we got lots of cool exciting content things planned but we got to go do a live feed now oh yeah, yeah. bro it'll be fun man i'm excited you know uh cam and i have worked together for a long time he was my remington rep like in i don't even remember what year that <laughs> was bro right. but you were still you were oh still skinny gosh. and it was a long time ago yeah it was a while <laughs> ago right. but yeah that's when i first met cam so that was early 2000s and so i think right in there 2006 7 8 somewhere in there but so yeah man it's cool to see what uh, you know our passions grow and kind of you know here we end up together and now we're uh, end up working together you know 15 years down the road so Cool, man. I'm excited. I'm pumped up. You know, you guys are doing a lot of really cool stuff, educating people. That's one of my favorite parts of my job is education. So uh, that's one of the reasons Jackman Bait want to jump on board. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate Jared, and we'll talk to you in just a couple minutes. You got it, brother. All right, everyone. So there we you did, have it. And you know, it's so funny. We we didn't even get into spinning glows. Nope. <laughs> we, didn't even, we didn't even talk about spinning glows. How many thousands? I mean, hundreds, hundreds of, of thousands, or hundreds of millions of salmon and steelhead and sockeye. And whatever, and I've been killed on freaking spinning glows. We didn't even talk spinning glows. We'll get time. there. We'll, yep, get we'll get there. there. We'll definitely get there. Well, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. Eric, you got any open seats coming up? That Who knows when this podcast is coming out, but yeah, you can so, talk about your fall or whatever. Yeah, you got so I have out. a few open days in September. So if you guys want to get a hold of me, the best way is to go to my website, ericswansonoutdoors.com. Hey, and here's a secret. Chinook fishing is easier and better in September. Oh, yeah. I just said, oh my gosh. Ways. Oh, way way more fun. Way less nobody stress. needs to worry about it. No one needs to worry but about it. But you might want to go fishing with Eric in September. It's pretty good. Hit me up. All right, everyone. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. Don't forget, leave us a review. Leave us a comment. All those great things on all the different platforms. And we will see you on the river. Thank you, guys. Later.